Welcome to the Greatness Garage Podcast, the place where small businesses get big answers. I'm your host, Brad Borges, founder of Epitome Coaching Consulting. This is a different kind of podcast to get a different kind of results. Our mission is to serve you, the listener, to allow you to be the greatest business owner you can be. Welcome, everyone. We are here at the Greatness Garage. We are having another amazing um, coaching call and clarity call with Cole Scott. Cole Scott and I, we go back to the great Bemidji State University. We were both mighty offensive linemen from, from Bemidji, and you know we learned a lot of the structure and the principles of doing what we do from there. And you know what, Cole? You have done some amazing things. I love the growth that you've had and the path that you've taken. You know, tell tell the audience a little bit about yourself and your company, Fusebox One. Yeah, I think uh, first off, Brad, I just thanks for having me on the show. And beyond being an experience, it's it's a great opportunity, and um, I appreciate you taking the time to invest back in not only to myself but uh, to Fusebox One as a company. So, um, just a high level of who we are. We're a marketing operations company, and if I said that to you in an elevator, you'd go, "What's a marketing operations company?" And it's, it's it's a great question. So um, ultimately, you think of a company um, anywhere from a medium-sized organization all the way up to uh, uh, enterprises. Um, as they develop marketing departments, they also develop assets. Um, and you think about where are these assets stored? How are they managed? How are they deployed? Are they digital assets? Are they proposals? Is there sales enablement? Um, is it a physical asset like a business card, a shirt? Um, any kind of promotional item, uh, digital and offset print, um, banners, and you take all these things and you take digital asset management, you take physical asset management, and then you tie the service with it and we create a, a sales enablement experience and that's uh, Fusebox One. Wow. Wow. And, you know, and, and it brings so much together. And I think even in that explanation, you know, explaining, um, you know, and let's talk about it too. A lot of times, People don't refer to them the way that we're referring to them as assets, right? They don't kind of use that that same connotation um, that defines, you know, what is, a, a, you know, a digital or physical asset and how does yeah. that assist in, in the marketing um, process, right? Yeah, and not even beyond the process, you get into things like uh, legal disclosures. Um, if I'm an insurance agent mm-hmm. in the state of Nebraska and I'm licensed and uh, PNC, and I'm also licensed in wealth management. How do I know that when I uh, take a template and create an asset that it has the right legal disclosure? Wow. Yeah, you know, and, and you said it from, from the operation side. It's funny. So much of the time we discuss on the creative mm-hmm. side, and um, and and so when you talk about the operation side, you know, when I, you know, for for my my background being in in distribution and logistics and stuff like that, so operations, I I I can geek out with it all day yeah. on that, right? So we're really talking about the timely delivery of exactly what's supposed to be delivered, when it's supposed to be delivered, and the condition it's supposed to be delivered, right? So just kind of giving some people some understanding, what's the challenge of delivering marketing? Yeah, so great question. There's there's a few challenges, and really I think it goes a little further to what are the challenges between marketing and sales? Um, <laughs> Where do we start? Yeah. We know we only have so much time, right? <laughs> but I mean, ultimately, these are the pain points we hear about. You have a marketing department, yep. you have a sales department, and they're opposite polar ends of the earth. Um, at the same time, they're responsible for the same revenue. How many times do we hear about a sales rep who has gone rogue and, and has uh, an asset that might be outdated, not having the right 
um, standards and legal compliance. And um, they say, well, the reason I did that was because uh, marketing couldn't create this asset for me that I needed personalized and, and one off. And so that's a real pain point. And they go back and forth and then marketing will say, hey, we're not really set up for that. We don't have the infrastructure. You know, we're a five-man team and you have all these high-maintenance salespeeples and, oh, hey, by the way, are they even using the asset when they say, I need this one-off yeah. created asset? So when you start thinking about managing an asset, it's not just storing the asset, and it's not just user permissions and what's their experience, but um, you think of an overall Amazon experience, and then going beyond that and thinking about things like, hey, do I need to tie to a CRM? Um, so <laughs> am I trying to pull data in? Does this asset need to be personalized and sent out to thousands of different people? Um, doesn't need to be versioned and what versioned is, and people don't even think about that, but if I'm in, uh, Florida and I'm sending an asset to Iowa, um, one might have corn in the background and the other one might have a sandy beach, um, in right. experience. Just the customization that, that has to go with that. And, you know, and when, when we're talking the breadth of this, we're talking everything from, you know, t-shirts and tchotchkes on, on the physical side, you know, what are some other examples of physical um, uh, marketing, and then on the digital side, we're talking everything from uh, uh, an ad base to, you know, explain us yeah. some of the examples of what we're talking yeah, here. Yeah, you know, and it, there's that aspect of it, and there's also campaigns um, on top of that, but mm. um, if I'm a marketing department, there's a few things that I might be focused on. One is being able to globally update assets. Um, so if I'm all across the country, all across the globe, and we make an update, we want to make sure everybody gets that update at one time. Um, if your assets aren't managed in one spot, that's an issue. Um, then when you talk about, to your point, um, running an asset. So, yeah, a physical printed piece is, is a prime example of an asset. Um, we, we've seen office furniture. We have seen um, signage. We have seen all the, the tchotchkes and things like that. We've seen sales kits, uh, pamphlets, promotional, uh, stationary items, things like business cards and um, simple aspects like that. Um, and then on the digital side, anything from social media um, all the way down to bookends for videos. Um, it could be something in the nature of a proposal. I want to generate a proposal inside of a platform and have it templated out so it's pulling the appropriate resources in. That's a great, wow, that's amazing. So let's, you know, as we kind of narrow down on, on kind of as we're serving and stuff like that, um, you know, you serve a lot. I mean, you basically, what, what company could use more clarity and support in their marketing operations? That's basically everyone, mm -hmm. right? So let me ask you this. What is the number one uh, pain point that you serve with your, with your customers? Yeah, data. You know, what is the typically entry point they have yeah, to you? Typically, the, the thing that might speed up a sales cycle or when you find a pain point that you're solving is um, data and business intelligence on the back end. Um, what's their ROI? Who's using it? What? When are they using it? And ultimately, when they have assets that are deployed throughout their organizations and different databases, uh, digital storefronts, um, they're not getting real data, um, and it's not mm -hmm. it's not very deep and it's not very accurate. Once you get all of your assets into one location, suddenly the intelligence you have on the back end is pretty powerful. And if you think of marketing, um, everything nowadays is data driven. So. Yeah, and, and that's so so true. And you look at it too, like for example, you think about the old sending an email out. Great. Then you could say we could track who opened the email. Wow. Mm -hmm. 
then we could track who clicked on different parts of the email and what are they truly engaged in and and think about the collapsing that that does in in one vertical channel i i gotta imagine for an organization especially large organization um it's crucial yeah, and i think it even gets into um as they create sales assets and say they have a sales force are those assets being utilized mm. what is the most impactful what is going out into the marketplace um, what things are being ordered, what's not being ordered, um, and then how do we update and collect analytics so we can go back to our sales team and start to improve the experience and really drive to the end result of, of revenue. Now, I will, to expand, because, you know, you brought up a, a good point. You said, hey, what's the number one driving factor? I do believe, and to be relevant, because of COVID-19, I think some of the conversations we're going to be having in the future is going to be more along the lines of, getting some of our fixed manpower costs out and outsourcing, so working with a partner um, so that they don't have those internal fixed costs, and two, streamlining the vendor management. Um, so if I have eight vendors that I'm using to streamline this project, how do I condense that down to one vendor? I think those are the you know, we're going to see in the future. Absolutely, right? You know, all of a sudden you start, you know, when, when stuff like this, um, as much as none of us wanted to go through what we go through, it puts the stress press on, on stuff that really is going to help improve our business. And, you know, you look at this, you, if you don't have redundancies to be able to supply your, your marketing and, and deliver that, and you're in trouble, right? And if you don't have that flexibility, so I, I definitely understand yeah. that. So as we kind of opened up this conversation, I reached out and I knew it would be just great because just the insight and you're doing big things. And that's one of the things to be on this uh, um, podcast. We really want people that are doing big things or want to do great things. And so then we can have this conversation and kind of crack open the nuggets to, to see what's available there. And, and we talked about, you know, like what are the things that kind of keep you up at night? And number one was, was opening up for sales leads, kind of really – developing the opportunities um, that are out there. And, and why is that such a challenge right now for you? Or even, you know, maybe part of it before COVID, in COVID, you know, coming out of, what, what does that look like for you? Yeah, you know, first of all, I always, I would say to people who are watching this show or are engaged with you, and it doesn't matter the size of the organization, whether it's a, mm -hmm. a sole proprietor all the way up to a global enterprise, the reality is anybody who runs a business or is involved at a strategic level, all a business is is a continuation of problems. Um, so once you solve one problem, I mean, there's never an end to the road. You know, much like athletics, it's, it's a constant grind. Um, and one of the things we started realizing is that because I, we don't care in the way we're structured, if our customers in California, New York, or Florida, um, so our restriction is when we're trying to get our value proposition out there, build relationships and trust so that we can help organizations solve problems, we had to change um, from a traditional outside sales model. Um, so we still have a traditional outside sales model, but then how do we transition to things like inbound marketing um, and inside, inbound and inside sales leads, um, but also how do we start to build a referral um, network and channel sales. Um, and so it's how do you pull the strings and the cords and it's not an easy problem. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and it's funny that the referral network um, is, is so significantly important and part of it important that you choose it wisely, right? Because, you know, you, you partner up or associate with the wrong people that, that, that uh, either uh, water down or taint your brand. 
um, it can be it can be a serious you know uh, choice there, right? Um, so one of the things that I have found is this question. I'm going to ask. I'm going to say it a couple times because it's a it's a tongue twister at first. The question I found to really ask is this: Who do I serve by serving who I serve? And one of the things. So I'm going to say it one more time: Who do I serve by serving who I serve? And what that really comes down to is identifying the, the, the target market that we've created for our customers and, and that, uh, um, you know, avatar and that, that perfect, you know, model client. When we serve them, who else benefits from that, that serving? And so for myself, example, um, when I serve a, a client um, and they grow their business, they grow their business. They're going to expand. They're probably going to get a loan for that expansion. So bankers benefit from what I'm doing. Um, because I help uh, 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 businesses operate uh, better, the banks benefit because their loans are less likely to default, mm-hmm. right? Um, the expansion, stuff like that. So I ask myself, who is affected by that kind of that, that uh, um, ripple effect of the network? So let me ask you this. Is there anybody that jumps out who really is served by you serving who you serve? Yeah, I think that's um – a great question. Um, and I probably the, the simplest way that I would answer it, and I don't know if it's right or wrong, but I probably, if I started from the inside of the circle and worked out as I would look at my accounts payable and look at some mm-hmm. of the things. So, um, there's an aspect of what we do is manufacturing, um, and manufacturing is uh, really being hurt right now. So, um, we have to source paper. Um, we have to source other items, um, that we manufacture with. So we have some direct relationships there that are, are having a, a value um, that they're receiving from our partnership. Um, you get in, and of course we have, uh, you know, financial institutions. You talk about um, cash flow and funding uh, purchase orders and things of that nature. So we have relationships there as well. Um, we have our employees, we have local benefits, you know, anything from 401k. So it takes a lot to build this infrastructure and it takes a lot of partners um, to do that. And, you know, they're all benefiting. So um, they care that Fusebox One is successful because if we're successful, it, it, it helps them in a positive manner. Absolutely. And so, you know, when, when you're looking at, at building that referral network, I think that's the one, you know, that's probably the leading question that I ask, you know, I have my clients ask is, is, is how does this connect? And the stronger that bond is, the more directly one-to-one that is, um, the more likely that that's one that you want to kind of really connect in with and, and, and build out that referral network. Mm-hmm. So when you're looking at creating the, um, the you know, the inbound assets and, and creating that kind of um, that energy, let's call it, that, that goes with it, um, what, you know, what is the, you know, there's so many tools, there's, there's social media, there's, there's a website, SEO, there's all this stuff. You know, what has been some of the challenges with, with defining, you know, what that looks like? Yeah, no, it's, it's a good question. And I think uh, anything as you get into it, it's, it's one thing to draw a pretty picture up on a whiteboard and say, okay, this is going to be our workflow start to finish and to think that, um, and at no point, it's it's a work in progress. So that workflow is there's going to be some transition. Uh, wait, wait a second. You're saying that it doesn't go exactly as what? planned? Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's absolutely crazy. Um, now, if my wife asked me, of course, it went exactly as planned, and I, 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 I just forgot to put it up on the whiteboard. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I'm not perfect, but I'm close, as I would tell her. 
Amen. <laughs> so, you know, and I just want to go back, and great question, but I was just thinking more about what you said in regards to your partner. But when I think of channel marketing, um, and it just gave me more thoughts of people that I could reach out to, but one of the industries that we're trying to grow in um, outside of the insurance market is the banking market. Um, because of multiple locations and because of the legal compliance and multiple products that they carry. Um, but I had a conversation the other day with my bank and said, hey, do you know anybody that you work with that might be a good referring partner for us um, that would be interested in leveraging their relationships to monetize them? Um, yeah. And so I, I can think about some of my other partners that I have out there and say, hey, do you have anybody that you can connect us with that might be a good um, so it's it's nice that you said that. Um, yeah. Well, good. Well, and, and it's funny, you know, that's a lot of times what, what people understand is what, in in the coaching, you know, kind of process, it's really the, the genius has comes from you, and it's really kind of just trying to sprinkle some things out there and you know ideas that that like all of a sudden you're going there you go that there's that connection to to what works yeah. right. Um, and so the second part you were talking about inbound marketing, um, you know, it, it's really. Uh, has been interesting for us because there's, you know, they talk about cross media marketing or cross channel. And, you know, you think of some of the most successful brands out there, take Budweiser, for example, you can look on a billboard, there's Budweiser, somebody's t-shirt. You turn on a TV, you listen to the radio, um, turn on a game. And I mean, you're just constantly surrounded by that product. Um, The reality is a lot of organizations, um, don't have the budget that that Budweiser does and these other companies. Um, um, and then you look at, of all your channels, um, email campaigns are the least successful but the most cost-effective. Um, and yep. so our biggest hang-up isn't necessarily, and we're unique, the most expensive but the most effective is direct mail. Um, but you, you look at postage and the increased cost there, um, there's some things that keep organizations from moving in that direction. But if you open your mailbox – and if you go back to the 90s, when you opened a mailbox, it was completely saturated. Uh, now, yep. because of the digital era, you open up the mailbox and it's more pertinent information. But one of the things that you always see in there, and you think about successful companies, you're going to get a credit card offer. Um, you're really going to get yep. a few a week. And so they're investing that money into direct mail, and there's a reason they're doing that. Um, with that being said, most people can't afford it. My biggest hang-up and what slows us down from speeding up the uh, the sales path from the, the inbound market is one building trust. Um, people only mm-hmm. buy from people they trust. I could send a beautiful email and until somebody knows and trusts that relationship with that brand, they're not going to touch on it. So that's one thing. And two, um, being a, a small and medium sized organization, um, the biggest constraint any company has on that side is its resources. And there's two resources: yep. it's either cash or it's manpower. One or the other. Now, now everybody out there, is, if you're, their necks hurt because they're yeah. nodding so much on this yeah. one, right? Yeah. yeah. So. so, so looking at that, you know, it's it's amazing that you said that. Um, you know, a couple years ago, I was out in Hawaii and we were. I went to a um, a marketing uh, seminar, and they were talking about how they're using Yelp and how they're using uh, Twitter and how they're using Facebook. Mm-hmm. And they're talking about, um, you know, all the, the uh, Instagram, sorry, uh, sorry, it was uh, Instagram, uh, Yelp, and Facebook. And they're talking about how amazing the things, and it's cutting edge, and this is what's next, and this is what's going, and this is what's coming up. They get to the end, and they start asking some questions, and somebody kind of 
raised their hand. They said, uh, what about email? Do you guys ever do email? And they're like, oh, yeah, we do it all the time. That's our number one, you know, that's the most successful in the end. And, and you know, it's, and the thing is that, like, you just said it so well. You still get the emails all the time, and you still get the direct mails all the time because they work. Mm-hmm. Now, you maybe need to change your message there, but they do work, and appreciating that in, in the end is important. Well, I, and so, you know, one of the well, – I was going to say part of it, too, I just um, – it's easy to say things like people hear buzzwords like SEO, search engine optimization. Yep. And then, you know, and, of course, Google, um, they're getting smart. And now you look when you search something, um, and it's getting into long-tail keywords versus the, the short searches. Yes. But the first page now is all paid ads. And um, yeah. you can, there's so many cool tools out there where you can see a certain keyword, how many people are searching it. Um, but they're only clicking on the first few on that page. Yep. So SEO, you can understand the concept of it. It's facilitating the aspect of creating content that's worthy. But then how do you get all these backlinks? If I'm salesforce.com, I have a million backlinks because everybody else is linking to me. And so then my page is relevant that puts me to the top and it's my pages being clicked on. Um, that can yeah. really be a struggle to, to overcome. And uh, that's probably one of the things that we struggle with most. Isn't it, you know, and, and you look at it, no matter what industry, I think we all kind of struggle with, there's always going to be an 800 pound gorilla in the room, right? And there, there's somebody that's just got budgets and structures and stuff like that, that are just so, you know, so phenomenal, you know, and, how do we overcome that? You know, and part of it you were talking with, with even the marketing or with the SEOs, you're in a, in a business of trust. And we all are, right? We're, nobody buys something unless they know, like, and trust you, mm-hmm. right? Nobody, that's not going to complete the equation unless it exists. So one of the things is, and even we're talking about this now when people are, are scared and, they, you know, they've got this question is, how do we do that? And, you know, connecting where they're at. And so one of the things is, is in building that trust, um, in the in the, the physical mail or the email that goes out there, how do you serve? So if you're looking for somebody that you are going to deliver to in which there's no monetary expectation or exchange, what is the number one way in which you can serve them from either knowledge or um, laughter or, you know, touch heart? What is the, do you feel is the number one way you can serve in that yeah, way? We really focus on giving free content. Um, we okay. figure if we give enough um free stuff for lack of better words, but not just saying, Hey, here's something that's free, giving relevance and our knowledge um, that people have problems at some point, if the problem's big enough, they're going to say, you know what? Fusebox one and Cole Scott really know what they're talking about. Let me contact them because this is over my head. Just like I talked about conceptually, I understand SEO, but at some point I'm like, this gorilla is too big. (laughs) Let me find somebody that knows what they're talking about. Um, so even when you go to our website, we have a resource page. All of the resources are completely free, whether they're informational, um, all the way to we have tools um, that like templates or guides to help you manage and organize your assets. Um, it's Excel-based um, so that people can create a, a key. And when I have um, a promotional product and it's sourced over here and I got digital storefront and I'm trying to my digital assets are here. And then I got this um, inside of our Microsoft um, um, InfraWeb. Um, it, it's a guy that yeah. allows them to organize all those assets. Who owns that product? 
from what date is it supposed to be live to what date, and it becomes really a key and, and a guide form. And we took all of our years of information of organizing content and put it into an Excel spreadsheet so other people can utilize it for free. Because the reality is, is not everybody is a customer, and we like to help people. Um, right. So that's one aspect of it. We've also created um, content pages, or I call them pillar pages. Um, they give a lot of free resources, not only that we have internally on our site, but that go out um, to other companies as well. And so we have a lot of information and try to educate people on sales enablement. It's a, it's a buzzword, but what does sales enablement really mean and, and why is that important? Um, digital asset management is another one, marketing asset management. So we have um, quite a few firms that we're trying to help educate people and give them free Absolutely. So, so in, in the functional side, you know, there, there's a, there's a lot of content out there, and and really, I think part of it is going back from the physical side, of going back through through that content, or continuing to bring through that content. You know, the stuff you put out two years ago or whatever, bringing it back up, or a year ago even, all of a sudden has amazing relevance. You just got to even kind of bringing that back up. Um, so, from a, a leadership standpoint, you know. Um, it's tough. It's it's tough being at top. It's a, it's lonely at the top, right? And so, as you're kind of looking off into the future there and trying to kind of think of some decisions that 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 need to be made, what's weighing on you outside of of monetary operational structure? Like, what what is kind of a, a thought that is or a feeling that is kind of weighing on you? Yeah. No. I mean that that's a good question, and I, and I know you you brought up monetary. Um, and it's not that monetary, and I think a monetary, I think more of cash flow. Um, but I think there's yep. a lot when you start digging into financials and stuff that might give you some insight um, to areas to focus on. Um, you know, so whether, for instance, if uh, you're trying to lower fixed fixed costs or um, some debt overhead you want to eliminate over a certain amount of time to create more stability, and I think those are all relevant. Um, conversations because of the times we're in right now. Um, mm-hmm. Suddenly you start focusing. So one of the things we're, we're looking, working on is instead of traditionally manufacturing everything ourselves and storing all of those contents and handling the distribution is partnering with other organizations. So it allows us to be more nimble um, and adjust mm-hmm. to the different seasons that we have. Um, there's times of the year that are busier that, you know, if you think, hey, my goal is $10 million this year in revenue, it's or $12 million, it's not a million dollars every month. And so um, exactly you know, right. Yeah. My yeah. Partnering allows us to be more more nimble. And that's one of the things that we're kind of on. Yeah. Let, let me ask you this question. Yeah. What what threats do um, partnering have for you? Yeah, that's great. So um, it's. I said sales go back when somebody buys from somebody. There's always two things. A sale happens when value exceeds price. Um, If you've built no value, then you're lowering your price. Um, That's number one. So don't become a commodity. Um, Number two, it's trust. Um, So it's the same thing for me when I'm partnering with somebody. At the end of the day, if my customer is XYZ, I'm accountable to them. So if my partner fails me, I'm still the one that's on the hook. So having those yep. partnerships that, that I, I trust and that because really when somebody partners with us, they don't care whether we directly manufacture something ourselves or not. 
they care that we're going to take care of all the vendor management forms so they don't have. Um, and so it's really vetting those relationships and building it so that they become an extension of our company. So let me ask this then. Um, so one of the things that's really important, um, you know, when we're building organizations and we talk about from just relationships, so that's personnel, that's employees, that's vendors, that's customers. Um, one of the big things is really is values and, and really identifying, make sure that people, mm-hmm. you know, if, if we don't match necessarily on a skill set, we can couldn't work with that. But if we don't match on a value yeah. set, at some point down the road, this is all going to blow up yeah. on us. How do you, do you have a process yet of, of validating partners at that really core and essential level outside of the operational field? Yeah, no, I think that's a good question. Um, I would go back to the fact that I start internally and what are our values as an organization um, yeah. and culture is one of the biggest ones. I always say money will take you to a job. It won't keep you there. Um, and I know Amen. too many people that make a lot of money and financially get stuck into a certain lifestyle and every day they wake up, they hate what they do. Um, yeah. And so we really focus on our culture and having good men and women. Um, so when I partner with an outside organization, I treat them as if they're an employee. Um, so they have to fit into our culture, have the same values. Um, when we go down to their locations and their manufacturing, how are they set up? How do they treat their employees? Um, that's really crucial. And um, it's things we focus on and how they interact with our employees is crucial as well. Um, so everybody's human and, and that's how we yeah. Yeah. operate. And, you know, and that's so true. Like when, when they're coming in, you know, if, if, if they treat any of our employees with disrespect, how are they likely going to treat our customers and then, you know, the rest of the company? Yeah. Huh? So when, you know, we talked with you know, about keeping you up at night and, and really going through, you know, the big kind of nut what we're trying to crack here is, is how do we make this, this kind of almost conversion to shift in, in Salesforce approach um, without breaking the bank? Mm-hmm. And with, with, with the management of, of, of personnel, yeah. right? So as we look at that, um, and you're kind of looking at that, that leading edge, what have you found has created the best traction so far? Yeah, it's interesting you, you say that. One of the things when we went to, because we started out with an inbound marketing model. Okay, so we wanted to focus on educating people, Um, We realize that a lot of research before somebody makes a buying decision is already completed, and we wanted to make sure that they were learning from us. Um, The reality is the time frame for that to happen is pretty extensive. Um, And as we got into that process, and it's still a process that we're building out, and it's going to be a value to our organization. But I also started thinking about, as an organization, how to monetize on things. How do I shorten the sales cycle? I mean, that's a question, and that's where I started saying, okay, and especially right now where direct sales may not be happening, um, people aren't interested in looking at a solution right now because of COVID-19, everything that's going on, I started saying, hey, I need to really work on building some strong channel partners um, and selling them and building a relationship so that we can shorten a sales cycle. If they have a warm relationship and they're, they're vetting us and saying, hey, you know what? I know you have this problem over here. I have a great solution for you. I want you to meet a friend of mine, Cole Scott. He has a company called Fusebox One. They're doing some amazing things. You should really take a look at what they're doing. That is going to shorten a sales cycle for us. 
um, because the trust Absolutely. has been transferred over from a relationship there. So now yeah, we're yeah. in that direction. Yeah, and, and it is right. Where we've done good is the best place to, to, to share that from and, and find out where that's at. So when you look at, at personnel and personnel deployment and, and engaging and leveraging that portion of the of the relationship, mm-hmm. um, you know what what is what is the wrestle that goes on there? What is what is the the you know the thing that that you're struggling with there? Yeah, when I look at so you're talking about manpower resources. Is that- you know, I'm talking about manpower resources and, and engaging to that um, that referral system within in the in the uh, the goodwill that you've built within successful customers. Um, you know, what what is that kind of engaging that conversation to get that that uh, to to prosper? Um, what is kind of the challenge in, in, that you are facing right now in getting that that one to kind of yeah, the, the biggest challenge, what I realized is I'm the person that needs to have those conversations. Um, and so it always comes down to time. How do you fit it in? But how do you make it a priority? Um, and so when you think of running a company and having a sales force, that's great. Um, but nobody's going to sell what we do, the company and the vision better than myself. Um and so if I want somebody to partner with us who has built these trusted relationships, which they guard, mm-hmm. if I want them to go out and say, hey, you know what, you really need to talk to uh, Fusebox One, I need to build trust with them. I need to build a relationship with them. And so that is really where I have – it has to be me that does that and has that conversation because somebody is more likely to pick up the phone and – take the risk of monetizing the relationships they've developed um, if they have trust with me. So with that kind of being a, a lead in then, then my question then becomes this, when you look at, at your organization mm-hmm. um, and you may be already answering this already, right? But what do you feel is the number one activity that you do that creates value for the organization and yourself? So the number one activity that we do that creates value for not not we oh, no you me? Cole yeah, Scott no, yeah that's, that's a great question I would always say selling um, okay yeah, so that's ultimately it um, now that could be internal sales um, you know with our staff our employees um, creating comfort um, building them up uh, encouraging them. It could be external, whether it's channel or direct relationships. But um, because of my history, um, what my experience is in, um, anything that relates to revenue and um, deployment of our product is is where I'm going to focus my energy. So let me let me kind of unpack that for a second. Um, if I'm hearing you right, your number one creation. Uh, number one way in which you create value is through selling internally, externally, building those relationships one-on-one, really developing that, you know, that, that there, but you spend most of your attention goes to, to revenue and deployment, like those activities, correct? Yeah. So when I say revenue, I'm talking about generating revenue. So, so selling. Correct. Yep. Yep. So, so there is there crossover, but then is there not crossover? In what regard? Yeah. So when you say deployment, 
my operational mind is saying, you know, the execution portion of it. Yeah, and so when I think of that, it's just um, building the relationships with the people who are executing it and selling them that, one, they're doing a great job, um, encouraging them, creating stability in the staff. Gotcha. Um, turnover, you know, any organization that was interesting, and this will be another interesting thing after COVID because you look at unemployment rates and how things are changing, yeah. but um, – not being a massive organization, when you have turnover, there's an impact. Um, so you talk about the operational. I mean, there's a learning curve for anybody that comes in. And so if we can uh, minimize the employee turnover and the turn inside the organization, we're going to be more effective operationally. Um, then Absolutely. As well. So. Yeah, and so not only that, if you if you minimize turnover, not only that, it allows you to be in a position where if you choose to to acquire some talent of people who haven't, you know. So yeah, and so it all drives yeah. back to you know, I said culture is really important to us. So um, really yeah. trying to engage with people personally um, is important to us, treating them like a human. Um, and when I say a human, not like you know by their first name, but taking genuine interest, you know. People yep. So. As they jokingly say, give, giving an actual shit, yep, right? There you go. You got it. So, and people, people are not dumb. They know if you're yep. if you're being short-sighted with them. They just don't. Yeah, and, and it's funny, you know, when you start with sincerity and truth, you can stay there all day long, right? You don't have to, to fake it, you know. Yeah, so. and I think you know. I just told you that at the beginning of your show that business is a continuation of problems there's a lot of people in life sometimes feel that way as well. And to realize that somebody has a life outside their job and the reason they're there is to feed the rest of their life. Why well, I hope people take interest in, in, in care about what people are experiencing and just have some empathy for that. You know, that's a big thing right now. You know, Mark Cuban said the other day that said the way that we treat our employees through this experience will affect our brand and our business for the next 10 years. And it is, it's so spot on. You know, we used to have a policy back, you know, a long time ago. And it used to be leave your personal problems at home. Mm-hmm. Keep your business and your personal life separate. And then what we found is that the person, like you're saying, if the person comes from home to work, their problems can't go anywhere but yeah. with them. And so what we said is we kind of confirmed that. It says, we said, leave the drama outside of work, but bring us your problems. Yeah. And let's have that empathetic discussion of how we can help you solve yeah. them, right? Yeah. And sometimes it's just talking. So, so, yeah, exactly, right? And so my, my thought is that you have a very strong culture there, right? And one of the things is is in this de- deployment question of, of, of kind of really what is that outsourcing? I'm guessing that you tap your, your leadership team for, for, for the guidance and the kind of insight and brainstorming mm-hmm. for that? Yeah, you know, it's funny uh, – I think of uh, the organization, it was just one aspect of it, manufacturing. Um, if you asked me, to, asked me to walk out on the shop floor um, and turn on a press and operate it, I couldn't even, I wouldn't even know, you know, where the on switch is. Call OSHA? Yeah. And so <laughs> I, the reality is, is everybody that I have hired or that works for us, whether it's leadership or the person that's been here for a week, there's probably a good chance that they're smarter. Um, and I hired them because they know more than me in a certain area. So you got to let them run with that. Um, exactly. So that, yeah. Um, Otherwise you just get in the yeah, way, right? You know, I might go out there and tell them, Hey, we need to check the flex capacitor and <laughs> see if we can get this thing up and running. And 
Always check the flux capacitor. Always. We know that. That's the reality of that conversation. Uh, yeah. So, you know, when I kind of listen to, to where you're at, I think one of the things that um, is facing, you've got so many things going right for your, your organization, so many going in the right directions. Part of the change in direction is going to be difficult because of how many things you're doing right and how many things are probably going pretty well. Is, is that correct? Sure. I mean, it sounds good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I, yeah, I think that's that's part of it. Um, I think it's, you know, we talked about building relationships with third-party vendors. It's um, it's building relationships on the other end um, as well. Yeah. And yeah. It's, it's a new process to us. And, um, you know, for instance, getting with legal and drawing up contracts that would make that referring partner feel comfortable about, um, what's going on if they're going to make a referral and how do they monetize it? You know, I mean, there's just a lot of um, conceptually, it's easy to throw something out there, but there's a lot of action steps that need to happen. Um, Absolutely. And because you're, you're leveraging and, and, and working with trust, mm-hmm. um, that's something that especially, you know, uh, Midwest, upper Midwest definitely is something that's held close to the chest. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, that's one thing that people um, are definitely, you know, wary on. And I think, you know, one of the things I would suggest for you, and you may have already done this, but one of the things would be to look at your day and, and that which isn't building trust internally or externally, you know, how can you delegate that out? What are some further opportunities of delegation? Mm-hmm. Obviously, that's got to fit within the budget and, and everything you're yeah. doing. Um, but I think that's probably the area where it's going to create because your mind space and building that trust whether that trust is built in the digital format, whether you become the enigma, the, the person that everybody sees and, and starts hearing the voice of, and, and that trust is built in that way, um, or whether you're out one-to-one, you know, uh, shaking babies and, and holding hands, yeah. right? Um, you know, whatever shows up there. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, whatever shows up there is really kind of where I think your power is going to be found. Yeah. Um, and, and not found, but, he, but, but you know, built even more. And it more. goes back to what I caught on to you saying earlier, um, and one of the things I'll focus on, um, you talked about delegating. Um, once again, I want to look outside our four walls and look at some of our partnerships. Uh, for instance, yeah. if it's my bank, um, hey, can let me delegate to you, and hey, can you help me find a partner out there that we can uh, um, look at as a, a channel or referring partner to us? Um, and they might have some great resources or insights to individuals that are strategically set up in a way that they have those relationships already. So uh, that, that was, was awesome. Great. Yeah, it was awesome. You came up with it. So, <laughs> well, you know, I just, I love how you're understanding it. Well, and it's funny because I really don't know a lot of times what I'm saying, <laughs> but it's, it spouts out, but you, you know, the way in which you understand it and, and you've got a direct action to it. And I think, so one of the things I think for, for uh, you know, a, a real focus objective really is, um, one, continuing to work on who do I serve by serving who I'm served. Second is knowing that the number one value you, you bring to your company is the creation and building of mm-hmm. trust. And so then delegating out anything else that doesn't, you know, very tightly fit to that. And one thing, too, is I think, you know, one of the things the, the as the organization grows, it's funny how I found with um, – you know, doing what I did, the tighter and tighter and tighter and tighter, the narrow, uh, the definition of staying to that was. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for me, one of the best things I can do is, is in in is analytics. I'm, you know, I, I see things and I analyze them pretty quickly. And so that used to be analyzing the company. Yeah. 
and then it was analyzing developments, and then it was analyzing futures, and then it was analyzing other businesses. And, you know, really it started narrowing it down the more we grew and the more we put the right pieces in place that we could step up. So I think that's where you're at is you're at this amazing growth precipice where you're building, you know, you're, you're seeing that trust, you're continuing to build that trust, and now it's in the delegation of a couple more of those pieces yeah. to continue to allow that, that vertical ascent. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's great insight. I appreciate it. And, you know, it also it's becomes a way, how do you make it scalable? And so you really touched on that as well. And, and that's exact. That's the thing, too, is one of the things that's difficult to in the delegation portion of it, too, is we look at scalable and we know that thing is. Um, but but when we want to delegate, we got to make sure we don't just tell somebody what to do. We got to make sure we empower them. We train them. We coach them. We, you know, get them to the point where they're very, very comfortable with it. And then, and then pass on that, that uh, yeah. step, right? Yeah. No, I think that's great. Oh, well, Cole, I want to just thank you. Um, and I, I want to just uh, – um, I, I will probably see you up in Bemidji this fall. Hey. Um, this year is, is – I or this year is the, uh, the 90 uh, – uh, the 2001 team, my last year – or 2000 team, my last yeah. year. It will be the 20th anniversary. And so I was like, ooh. <laughs> And numbers start growing, don't they? You know, so I, it, it will be fun. So I look forward to seeing you up there. But I also want everybody else to know, how can they find you on, on, on the World Wide Web or in your hometown? Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a great question. If you happen to understand technology, it's as easily as doing a search for Fusebox One. Um, and so one of the things I learned early on to point out is one is O-N-E, not the number one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and people said, oh, hey, how'd you ever come up with the name Fusebox One? And I said, well, I went and looked for the domain name Fusebox.com, and they wanted half a million dollars. And I said, oh, we're throwing a one behind that, and <laughs> it's all in one box, you know. So <laughs> I love it. I love I say, it. You can search for me directly, LinkedIn, Facebook, um, Twitter. I, I don't do the Pinterest thing, um, although I, I haven't TikToked yet, but I have a 13-year-old daughter that uh, – is trying to teach me that. And, hey, I just want to leave you. You shared so much with me. I want to leave you with an interesting tidbit or um, something. Like that. Oh, I love it. Fire. So everybody on here, if you're watching, you caught on early that we're, we're both offensive linemen. And so um, I have never been small in nature. So I learned this secret early on now that Zoom meetings are so prevalent that I could come up this close and my head looks really big. But if I sit back here, there's there's a sleek factor to it. So, um, yeah, that's that's my tidbit. Here, genius. <laughs> it's the opposite of what fishermen do. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Well, Colt, thank you again so very, very, very much. We appreciate it, and we're all wiser. And you know what? I think what we'll do is, is Cole and I will follow up the next six weeks. We'll talk about this, about really refining what does that look like for him to, to build that trust, and what does it look like for him to develop that network of people who, have ser- you know, who get served by him serving who he serves. And so I'm so excited, Cole. We're going to have you report back in, in six weeks and just – Tell some of the development you've had and, and uh, where we've gone from there. Appreciate it and be safe. I love it. All right. Have a great one. Take care. That's awesome. And if everybody wants to reach out to me and they need just to talk, they have some questions, some business, they, they're, they're stuck, they're struggling, they're hurting, whatever it is, um, you can simply go to callwithbrad.com and you can book yourself an appointment, free talk with me, and we can just talk. And so everybody, 
thank you for all the ways that you all serve and the way that we are, are, are really helping out the business community. And uh, let's keep doing great things. Awesome. Thank you, everyone. Greetings, Greatness Garage guys and gals. This is your producer, Brennan, and I'd like to tell you about my YouTube series called Your Blue Continent, where every week I visit with development agencies all over the world in places like Ethiopia, the Congo, Bangladesh, and Myanmar, observing new and innovative solutions to chronic problems affecting people all over the world. The only way we're ever going to eliminate our problems with poverty and immigration for good is when we've helped these places achieve true sustainability for themselves. And my series celebrates the frontline agencies bringing this about in brand new ways. That's Your Blue Continent on YouTube. Check it out.